Welcome to Between Two Curators, the podcast where two friends and, well, curators discuss art, life, and what or rather who inspires them. I'm Cliff. And I'm Jen. And in this episode, we speak with the wonderful journalist turned founder of an incredible organization called Soldier and Yoga, Jordan Ashley. I should also mention dog mom to one of the most incredibly cute dogs out there, Maya. Hi, Jordan. Hey, Jen. Hey, Cliff. How's it going? It's going well. It's going well. Probably not quite so cute in London as it is over there in LA. <laughs> I mean, that's why they call it sunny California. Or wait, no, Florida is the sunshine state. California is the golden state. So I guess I'm just trying to stay golden. It's kind of a step up. Mm, I I feel like that's like prize number one. Is there a platinum state? So (laughs) 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 questions. We're here to answer the most deep questions out there. But we wanted to start with one initially. And that's, you know, maybe you could tell us a little bit about your journey and how you got to where you are now, um, and in turn, obviously, you know, Soldier and Yoga, which is this incredible organization, for those who don't know it, that uses yoga as a form of social activism, supporting on-the-ground women's education initiatives around the world, from Rwanda to Cambodia to South Africa. Did I do it justice? You, you, Jordan has nothing left to say, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> Interview That's over. Um, no, I mean, like anything it's really fascinating to see how certain seeds that were planted like at uni have now come into full fruition, you know, a decade and some odd years later. Um, Originally I majored in journalism and I actually did a study abroad program in Cambodia. And to me, that was the first interaction in terms of being in an area that was post-conflict and having exposure to uh, how so many, you know, young women and girls were at such a huge uh, disadvantage in terms of the access of education that they had. And then after I graduated, I ended up going back to Cambodia and other parts of Southeast Asia and was doing NGO coverage. And that was an opportunity to see firsthand how actual on the ground um, charities are working, you know, to alleviate a lot of the um, educational oppression to bring, you know, advancement for for these incredible um, young women and create future female leaders. I always did yoga. It was something I did as a kid and it's something I did with my mom growing up. And when I came back um, after being away and uh, was teaching yoga and freelancing, I got really disenchanted with how yoga was presented at the studios in New York and in LA and everywhere else and felt like that there was a big disconnect because retreats were becoming popular, which is, which is great in terms of people wanting to travel, but they weren't necessarily traveling with the highest form of consciousness or with, you know, ethical values and things like that. And I figured, why can't we use yoga to support and empower these amazing young women and support these fantastic, you know, on the ground NGOs that are doing so much and are so dedicated to going deep instead of wide with a certain region or a certain population. And thus soldier and yoga was born in 2016. 2016 already. Wow. That's pretty incredible. Um, and when you were when you were doing your um, uh, 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 journalism work, and you were sort of out there and, and um, experiencing, understanding um, all these different worldwide cultures, at, at what point did you feel that you wanted to then combine that with 
with the yoga practice? Um, because, you know, it's, it's, uh, you have yoga practice as an individual and that's one thing to be a teacher. That's another thing. And then to go out and found your own enterprise, um, to channel all of the energy around that enterprise into making a difference in the way that you have is yet another thing. Well, I think for me, a lot of it was just seeing how a lot of charities were functioning and operating and, you know, just to be completely honest, how I felt like a lot of them could be quite exploitative in terms of the imagery that they used or the words that were being used, especially, you know, when people travel and the social media becoming, you know, ever so popular and something that we use, you know, every day, pretty much for a lot of people, if not for multiple hours a day, I felt like the images that were being shown were often unfair in that it wasn't about mm. equality. It was more about this Western idea of colonialism and hierarchy. And so for me, it was always mm. about wanting to connect with these young women and wanting to have lifelong relationships with these charities as well. So that it wasn't a one-off. It wasn't something flippant. It wasn't like, you know, we're going you know to this place this year because it's a quote unquote, like hot destination. It's really about having a commitment to something that's so much bigger than yourself. And so I always come from a place of wanting to create um, a mutually beneficial experience, not only for, you know, the young women who we're meeting, who, you know, every person who comes on a retreat donates between three to 500 US that goes directly to our partner organization. But then also so that when they are meeting um, the participants who come, it's a collective and it's a holistic experience. We're making lunch together. We're doing an art project together, which Jen can you know, yeah. speak firsthand about as she came with on our Cape Town retreat in January. So it's about creating synergy between you know, the visitors and the girls, as opposed to being this huge divide. And, you know, anytime we take photos of the girls or we talk about their stories, it's always from a place of huge respect you know, no one wants to be seen, you know, at their worst. So, you know, making sure that even from like a photographic sense, we're all at the same level. Um, everyone is clean and smiling, including the participants, you know, everyone is very much elevated in that, you know, despite whether you were born in Cambodia or you were born in New York or wherever, we're sharing this one moment together that hopefully has like, you know, lasting um, benefits for everyone involved. I think what you say about mutual benefit is really interesting. Um, and, you know, that sense of showing people as they're in, in, in their best elevating people, right? Not necessarily, you know, their constant best selves, but, you know, where there is a sense of respect. Um, and I think that from there, you know, there is a strong sense of empowerment. And, you know, you briefly mentioned um, South Africa and, you know, I can testify to that. So we met um, a group of uh, young girls um, and they showed up for this art project and we bonded with them and did some yoga. And it wasn't, they, we had even more people who joined for the second session than the first session, despite all kinds of odds, because there was this want. Um, so it's not just one-sided. Um, but I was wondering, Jordan, whether you could expand a little bit on all these different um, NGOs that you've collaborated with, or rather even countries. Um, and if, yeah, and if you've seen any difference amongst them or any similarities, or is it really just a case by case basis? 
So I would say one of the um, commonalities between all of the partner organizations is that for the most part, the girls have been extracted from their homes because they've shown some kind of academic um, inclination or pursuit or they're driven or mm. maybe they're from an extremely hard uh, household and have had a really you know turbulent upbringing but they have the drive and that they want to succeed and so for the most part um, the young women who we work with are in dormitories so that they're getting the education the support there's a house mom who acts obviously as a maternal figure uh, they have a lot of um, additional extracurricular activities that they're exposed to in tutoring and technology. And so it's really incredible to see, you know, through the years, the same girls, you know, grow up. Um, for the most part, I would say mm -hmm. that they're all post-secondary uh, schools. So, you know, from high school and then, you know, they graduate into uni and then there's opportunities for them to get um, university scholarships as well. And mm. because they've been you know, picked and selected for these programs, it's stressful because they have yeah. additional hours of school or tutoring or, or whatnot to make sure that they can surpass any expectations um, so that essentially they can end up being providers for their families because they've been put in this really auspicious uh, position. And so from that and from you know, being exposed and speaking to to these young women, they really love the yoga because it's a way for them to de-stress, to connect back to their bodies and their breathe and their breathing and to be silly. And so, you know, I always say the yoga practice for me and, and how we present it, it's not about healing, it's not about saving, it's not about even helping per se, it's about empowerment. It's really about giving someone the skill set so that when we leave, they're able to do it on their own. They're able to do it with their friends, yeah. with their house moms, you know, in Rwanda, where we have our teacher training program, they're then able to um, commodify it. And so that they can teach at the lodges or the resorts or the hotels, you know, around Akagera National Park or even Kigali, so that it becomes a livelihood. Yeah. Amazing. Um, it's, I mean, it involves so many sort of, as you have, you know, partnerships in so many different countries. And I, and I wondered... Um, if you could say a bit more about um, the teams that you put together and, and what it's like to be on one of these retreats, like what the program is like, because Jen mentioned a little bit about it. Um, but, you know, yoga retreats come in all sorts of shapes and sizes. So to be a participant, um, but also I know you involve some really amazing teachers as well. So all of the teachers, including myself, volunteer for this. And the reason we do this is to make sure that the people who are volunteering are in alignment with us and that they're not wanting, you know, to have financial gain or popularity or more followers by engaging in this kind of uh, charity work. And so it's an opportunity for the teachers to bring along their students, their friends, their families, and in their communities as well, and really expose them to the need and the issues that are facing these young women and say, we might not be able to um, fund everyone, but this is an incredible group of people in which you can engage with, you can meet with, and you can actually see like where your donation is going to. Um, I felt like that there was a huge um, rift between the donor and recipient relationship, and this is a way to rebuild it. Not so that it's 
a matter of um, showboating someone's altruistic experience, but more so as a way to open up hearts and open up minds because it's such a special and unique experience to actually connect with these you know, young women. And so uh, that being said, I really believe that these uh, trips are cultural immersions. We don't stay at resorts. We don't hide away. I think a lot of retreats, um, no matter where they are in the world, make one want to disappear in a sense, or maybe, you know, kind of be in a bubble. And these escape very much so. And and these are more confronting in the sense that you're engaging with local people. You might be learning about, you know, the the Khmer Rouge or about apartheid in South Africa or about um, the Berber community in in Morocco and um, just being exposed to all different kinds of walks of life, I think is really important and really important to the yoga practitioner in that it's not so much for me at this point about the physical practice, about what you can do with your body and if you can twist into a pretzel and whatnot, but it's really about (laughs) how you live your life. And for me, it's about living with compassion and with kindness. I think what you just said there, especially at the end, is just so incredibly important. And what you were saying beforehand as well about, you know, whether you're able to roll yourself up as a pretzel, we didn't say roll, but (laughs) something along those lines, or, you know, do a really good headstand, which I know I cannot do, but Cliff can, you know, (laughs) Um, just to show you off a bit, but uh, it's more about how you conduct yourself in everyday life. And at that point, it's advocating for like a frame of mind and, 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 a, and a way that you live your life and you live your life with others, as opposed to just another thing that you've ticked off. Right. And I think one more thing that is so important to emphasize is this idea of when you sometimes say retreat, you know, I the number of people have said to me, it's just like, oh, I just want to escape from the city or I just want to get away. Um, but here it's actually, you're going to go somewhere and you're going to engage, right? So maybe there should be another word for that. Maybe it's not retreat. Maybe we can you know, brainstorm that later. Um, but speaking about engagement, I was wondering if you could expand a little bit on your Rwanda's teacher training program, because I think that is particularly special um, in terms of empowerment, but also what you mentioned, um, giving something that they could then teach and then they could generate revenue out of. I think that's very, very special because in a sense, it's, you know, it, I mean, maybe impact investing is not quite the, the right term once again, but, you know, you are going there and teaching so that in order to like activate some long-term good. So I was approached by our amazing partner organization, Camara, which means a strong in Kenya, Rwanda, and they are located in the Eastern province about conducting a yoga teacher training program for their staff uh, who are primarily uh, sports mentors and uh, social workers and facilitators who you know, engage with teen moms and then also primary school students as well. And so it was a really amazing experience in terms of, you know, going back and creating a whole teacher training curriculum for an audience that has had pretty much no exposure to yoga. And so really extracting for me kind of the the best parts of yoga in terms of it, you know, breaking down into bodies of the physical shapes, and then um, mind, so meditation and breathing techniques. And then my favorite part, honestly, is heart, which is about you know self-care and nourishment and really how to be um, 
a thoughtful, kind, and giving person in the world and, and the different ways um, in which to do that. And so the first time we did the teacher training, it was 50 hours in 2019, and it was over two weeks with nine women. And it was so empowering and so incredible and so inspiring to see how quickly these women uh, adapted and were open to learning and how you could see the change from you know day one to day 14, because we did it over two weeks and absolutely how confident that they became, um, especially when they taught in Kenya, Rwanda, it was fantastic just to see the sequencing aligning and the connectivity between, you know, one shape to the next and just how poised and elevated. And I mean, I, yeah, I could go on about it, but, um, you know, the idea there was not only for them to be able to use it, you know, for their students or the team moms, but also for themselves and, um, you know, be it in, in at church or with their family. And it's become really useful, especially now with lockdown. And so I was back in February, uh, right after the South Africa retreat and, you know, did um, a couple of workshops with um, women between 18 and 20. And, you know, over the two days, they were able to then teach a full yoga class and design their own meditations. Anyways, I guess the point there being that, you know, this is a community who have embraced yoga, who love it, who, you know, now they're teaching one another, which is fantastic because my goal is to become obsolete in all of this and for it to be self-led. And then they're building a yeah. leadership center as well. And then in the leadership center, there's going to be a yoga studio and there'll be opportunities there for people to drop in for a class if they're, you know, on their way to, to go to safari or also, you know, for the teachers then to have, you know, a collective studio in which they can run regular classes for, for the community. I really like the idea that you mentioned there of um, setting something in motion and then yourself disappearing. Um, yeah. So it's almost a Houdini, <laughs> a perpetual motion, or it's, you know, it's something that has its its own life and energy of its own. Um, I wonder if you could link that to sort of where you started off on your journey, and you were noticing these things about yoga. And this is maybe a question more about like the yoga industry. Um, uh, you know, the the rise of Instagram and the corporatization of yoga, um, which led you to turn in a way away from that and and, and do your own thing and, and make positive change in the world. Um, and I wonder how um, then as, you know, yourself as a Westerner and being super conscious about it, how do you navigate, um, you know, what it is that you define as yoga, um, what it means to you, how you teach it? Um, around the world too, and bringing it into different cultures and, and, and integrating it with uh, different cultures on the, on the ground, um, being, you know, this combination of mind, body, and spirit. And it's pretty clear that the transformations you make are across all three of those to, to people. But um, of course, you know, there's, there's lots of talk, often criticism about the, the Western appropriation of yoga. So for me, it's really about the word of union and about coming together and everything else I think can kind of dissipate in terms of what you can do physically, how long you can sit for in meditation or, you know, maybe what even your diet's comprised of. I feel like a lot of that is just fluff that gets, you know, kind of piled on top and really ends up, you know, diluting to what I believe is to be the message in that, you know, it's a lifelong practice in that 
the things you maybe could do in your early 20s, you might not be able to do when you're in your 60s and your 70s, and that's fine. Or if you injure yourself one day, or if you are in a bad place and need to kind of Netflix and chill and put a hoodie on and, you know, do that whole thing. And I think that's fine. I don't think, I really don't think the yoga practice is about this kind of perfect human. I think it's more so about embracing our imperfections, which make us the best kind of human and that we're all flawed. We all go through trials and tribulations and ups and downs and, I think it's through that that we come together and even more so we come together even stronger as a unified front. Um, That to me is the biggest message in all of this. You know, I love doing yoga. I think it's a great practice, but to be honest with you, it's not something I do every day. It's not something I do even every week these days, but it's not about the physical. It's about what am I doing? Is my yoga taking my dog out on a roll? I say a roll because she's paralyzed and she's on wheels. <laughs> Is it about, you know, um, having a really focused conversation with a friend without distractions and being really present for whatever they might be going through? Is it about, you know, going to bed early so that I can wake up early and do something really productive? I think it comes in so many different shapes and sizes and forms and it's adaptive. It's really up to the individual to decide what it means to, to them. So yeah, that's, <laughs> that's my answer. <laughs> I think that it's such a beautiful answer and one that I'm sure a lot of our listeners will really appreciate hearing and listening. Um, and I can say for me personally, it's one that I really, really relate to. I mean, I remember during peak lockdown going through yoga every day, even sometimes twice a day. And then I managed to pinch my right shoulder and I've not really been able to do that. And I caught, I got caught into that wigmarole of feeling a little bit bad, feeling guilt, you know, that this is something that I love. But now that you're just mentioning it, it's those little moments where you consciously take action in order to help yourself or to help another. Um, maybe I'm you know, extrapolating from what you're describing, but that's what I felt. Um, and it just, it just feels very, very special and very honest um, in a way that I've not heard it described in a long time. So, you know, thank you for that. Um, I was wondering, you know, off the back of that, and, you know, we're all in this very strange global pandemic um, what are some of the changes that you've been feeling or some of the changes that you've been seeing? Um, and maybe just some ways that you've been adapting to it. I, I, I was going to say the use of the word dealing, but then dealing just, I don't know, it, it's a bit sticky. So I guess I'm like adapting. So from this past year, you know, I feel very fortunate that we were able to run our South Africa retreat and do, you know, continuing education in Rwanda. But, you know, five of our retreats and projects were canceled this past year, which is absolutely devastating and heartbreaking because it's the first time that we haven't, you know, gone to Peru. We go to Peru every year or Morocco or Rwanda. Uh, so, you know, we had a couple of new projects as well that were also supposed to happen. So that to me was the hardest part because, it made me feel really impotent and really useless. And it's like, well, now I don't really know what to do with myself since, you know, all of my work is abroad. Um, I, you know, I wasn't really sure in terms of like how to engage or, or how to um, kind of, you know, come back in, in full force. And yeah. 
you know, it was an opportunity for me to, to decide that I was going to invest time and energy into expanding our programming and what that looks like is self-study. Uh, it looks like, you know, getting a master's degree in, in human rights so that when we, you know, reopen up, we're able to launch, you know, projects and uh, not only in Rwanda, but also in our, in our partner organization destinations as well. And then more so being able to actually measure the impact. Um, you know, starting an organization at, you know, 26, 27 has been, was such an incredible, you know, journey and experience, but I think, I don't know everything. I'm never not, I'm never going to know everything about what it's like to, to run a charity, but what I can do is, you know, try to get as much education as possible so that we're constantly growing and evolving and changing so that it's never one note. It becomes very much a multifaceted organization. Wow, so much there. How many how many countries uh, are you involved with? Oh man, I have to like I'm, I'm terrible. I always have to count it on my on my hand. Yeah. Um, so we've done retreats in the following places. So I'll have to think about <laughs> <laughs> Nicaragua, Peru, Morocco, South Africa, Rwanda, Cambodia the Tibetan Plateau, and then we had to cancel Sri Lanka, but we will be relaunching Sri Lanka soon. So seven countries. I'm probably forgetting. That's a solid, li- there's a solid lineup. I'm probably forgetting one, which sounds awful. I always, yeah, it's like all my children, but I always. <laughs> <laughs> but there, I mean, those are all pretty much annual retreats, right? I mean, there's groups going out there every year and, and, and working on the ground there. Yeah, especially Morocco, Peru, mm-hmm. and Rwanda. Those are the ones that we've run the most, uh, and, 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 and Nicaragua. Those are the ones that have been run the most. Um, and yeah, it's just every time you go or every time, you know, two teachers go out there, it's just such a new experience because, you know, maybe they infuse uh, the experience with with the with the students in a very different way so you know john had an amazing you know art workshop in which um the students of lalala the female empowerment students made um life roadmaps to be able to identify their strong suits and then another woman who came to morocco did a natural dye workshop as well so you know they collected onion skins and then um, tie-dyed a bunch of tote bags so that they could use the um use it for school. So just in terms of the different people who come and what gifts they want to share uh, or skill sets to me is always, you know, so much fun and what makes, you know, this such a unique experience. Yeah. Well, we hope, um, I mean, so much good work done. We know you've been doing like uh, classes for donation and workshops and so forth and support during, during this time when it's travel is immensely difficult. Um, but yeah, it's just an, uh, another reason to get this all behind us so that that good work can can carry on in the way intended um jordan thanks so much for all of all of those wise words and really inspirational stories um yeah thank you it's been amazing but we we want to end as we do every episode by um asking you the the finishing question um but it's it's what kind of what creative advice would you would you give to our listeners Ooh, I would say 
try everything. Because oh <laughs> no, seriously. Because, Sorry. <laughs> because you know, of course, within reason, we'll just put on like that that parameter. But I think so often there's a lot of fear about doing something new or this idea that you have to like protect your energy, which is a phrase that I hear a lot. But you know what? You this one life is you as an incredible human being. Open up your minds, open up your hearts, go out there, be it, you know, trying a new recipe or, you know, going through a stroll in a part of town that maybe you don't frequent ever or never been to. It doesn't have to be a whole global experience. It can be something very localized and and very um, personal as well. So I think it's just a matter of staying open and receptive to, you know, whatever comes your way and whatever inspires you. I love that. That's so beautiful. Very Thank you. Good. Yes. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks yeah, I, I might. I might just go and channel that tomorrow. We'll see how that manifests itself. Godspeed. I'll end up in some <laughs> random park in Godspeed. End up in some random park in London, <laughs> tagging between two curators, Soldier and Yoga, Jay for Jordan Ashley. <laughs> um, which leads me to Jordan. Um, if we want to find you, where should our li- listeners go? Website, Instagram. Soldier and Yoga is the Instagram and soldierandyoga.com is the website. And then for personal adventures that I have, <laughs> you, can <go> to, <laughs> you can go to J for Jordan Ashley or J for Jordan Ashley.com. But I would say go to Soldier and Yoga first because that's where all the good stuff is. Except Maya photos. Maya's the dog. Maya photos are on the J for Jordan Ashley site. So if you want Maya photos, go there. If you want some soldier and, you know, the, the big cool charity stuff, then go there. Yeah, definitely go Amazing. on the website though and, and page through all the, all the different sort of locations and groups of people and so forth. And there's also um, a place to donate there as well, right? Yep. Yeah. Yay. (laughs) Um, Wonderful. Well, you know, thanks so much, Jordan, for joining us. Um, And, you know, thanks for everyone who's listened and um, yeah, join us next time for more creative chat. Bye. Thanks, Jordan. Bye. Bye.